The Hundred Marathon Club by Darren Smith. Number 21, Trans Gran Canaria, 23rd of February 2018. As far as A races go, Trans Gran Canaria, or TGC, has it all. A high dropout rate, wild thunderstorms in the mountains, and a crowd of very serious-looking runners attending the expo, collecting bibs for several races that includes a 360, a race over several days around the entire circumference of the island. For me, though, I was aiming high, just not that high, so the marathon would be enough for me. It would be delayed, too, by a day due to thunder and lightning storms in the mountains. Very cool. And I was glad of the extra rest before a very early start in town, catching buses that would drive up and up into the mountains. I was running this one with Michelle Wiffers from Bovington and Louise. Lou would be running the 125, maybe the 250, whatever the next one is up. One of the crazier distances anyway, and, and had been forced to pull out before we even arrived after taking a tumble and potentially breaking a couple of ribs. That is the kind of race that we were in. I question whether this move to a tougher, longer race is some sort of graduation, or is it a natural progression? The former suggests I'd learnt something along the way and had trained to get better. The latter, that this was inevitable. Lou was okay though, she is a trooper and she would have probably soldiered on if she could. Much like the first bus that Michelle and I took. It couldn't handle the incline up the mountains after chugging a stop-start journey just part of the way. It finally gave up the ghost and we had to then wait for a second bus to come all the way back from the summit to pick us up. Would we miss the start? Despite having come all this way, Maranoia does get the better of you. And you start to question everything. Your training, has it been enough? Your nutrition, did I eat enough? Do I have enough fuel with me? Am I injured? Is that niggle in my knee more than just my brain paying tricks on me? You kind of ended up wishing the bus would be late and that you wouldn't make it. But of course it did. And as we climbed the mountain roads above the clouds, the sun rose on the day and we knew that everything would be okay somehow. It would be a layering and de-layering de kind of race. It started at dawn on the top of the mountain and it was cold and wet. We all had several layers on, including buff and hat and a waterproof jacket. I even had my hiking poles out for the first race that I would actually use them. And I'm glad I did, but we shall come to that later. You start in a wooded area near the mountain top. There are cabins around, amongst the trees. Goodness knows what they're used for during the year. But they became makeshift changing rooms and rest areas. Not that we needed them, you see. Michelle and I are old hands at this lark now. And we were ready to run the moment we got off the bus. Within a few hundred yards of the start, we disconcertingly heard screaming. 
Well, Michelle did. I had my music in. But we soon came upon a lady runner who had broken her ankle in the first stream crossing. People were trying to help her, uh, but she was screaming at them to get away, and there was nothing to be gained from Michelle and I staying, and so we kept going. We started in the woods, dense, humid forest either side, mud on the paths, pine needles and pine cones and slippery stones just peeking above the surface of the mud, forcing you to keep your wits about you. It would be a theme, this, and an exhausting one, having to concentrate for six hours plus on where you were putting your feet, and this could be tiring. And knowing what happened to Lou 48 hours earlier and the lady in the first stream crossing, I was doubly aware that one lapse of concentration could spell disaster. And with the storm the previous day, everything was wet and slippery. Between the wet stones, mud oozed, and you targeted it with your hiking poles to get some sort of stability as you quickly joined a single-file snake of runners going down the zigzagging mountain paths. The stone paths were bad. You were always on your guard. The views were amazing, do not get me wrong, but you slipped and slid and turned your ankles over if you looked up to enjoy them. I was already at walking pace pretty early on. I caught up with a group that included a below-the-knee amputee. He was going great guns, but one of his poles got stuck in a crack between two rocks and he was struggling to get it out. I took it and pulled it out for him and handed it back and he nodded and thanked me and said agua, gesturing for a drink and I gave him one of my four water bottles. He drained it, uh, which I didn't think was very sportsmanlike given the heat and the terrain, but we soon came off the trail and reached a small village and the first checkpoint so I could replenish it. Uh, two hours and twelve and a half kilometres into the race. It was terrible, and I felt I was letting myself down, but the thing about letting yourself down is all you can do is be better, and I promised myself that I would. The first checkpoint was so small that you could have missed it, if it hadn't been for the thumping house music coming out of the PA system. Cheese was sweating in one of the containers at the checkpoint. Ham was sweating in the container next to it. And the next container? Crusty rolls filled with, yes, you've guessed it, cheese and ham. I was offered something to drink, tea or coffee. I asked for tea and, much like Douglas Adams's Nutrimatic machine, was delivered a cupful of liquid that was almost, but not quite, entirely unlike tea. I dumped it out with a uh, and then went in search of the next red and white Aristo flag to show me the way. It was not too obvious though and along with a group of fellow lost runners we had to backtrack a hundred yards and ask a marshal. 
The route then took us up steep roads. Roads, yes, roads. And I enjoyed them for a full five minutes until the paths then led up and into farmland. And then you were back into the mountains where I caught up with a second amputee runner, this one who had fallen. But he was okay and I helped him up. And then Michelle, of all people, as my polar kept losing signal in the mountains. And we ascended the kind of mountain that you normally see in westerns. We stopped at the top for a selfie, as you do, and then descended into a town and towards Checkpoint 2. Checkpoint 2 was a monster. Music, as before, two toilets, although one was disgusting and it looked like Jabba the Hutt had rectally prolapsed in there. There were two huge vats of paella bubbling away and so much Coca-Cola and water that I just drank and drank and refilled all four bottles before finally heading out, deciding that if I wanted to eat, I would probably have stayed there forever. I had now taken my marathon time to cover a mere 25 kilometres in the mountains of Gran Canaria, and I needed to start motoring. But motoring was quite difficult when, after a nice jog across a dam, I've never done that before, the route was a steep, zigzagging path up and out of the valley, and then a steep, zigzagging path down the other side to the bottom of the next valley, and my least favourite part of the race. In fact, the least favourite part of the race for anyone that I've ever spoken to about it. It was a dry riverbed, and all the while the sun baked down on you, and everything at this point was starting to hurt, not least my poor feet. It was the riverbed that were that hurt the most. There was no respite from it for about five miles or so. At the start, a policeman stood guard over another lady runner, again with her ankle strapped and going nowhere. It signalled that I should not be complacent, and so I kept a slow and steady pace, spying the 10k to go sign, and then thankfully coming out of the mountains and into the next worst part of the race for me, the 6k or so in town. After a dirt trail where mountain bikers, dirt bikers and quad bikers uh, raced by with little care for the runners, you ended up in the town's aqueduct. And this was disgusting. It was baking hot. There were condoms and broken glass and graffiti before the last checkpoint, and oddly hot chicken skewers, boiled potatoes on sticks, and cans of ice-cold beer. As you can imagine, I could have stayed there for the rest of the trip, but after a couple of boiled potatoes and a can of beer, I was on my way. I met a Dutchman soon after, who was cramping so badly that he was using his hiking poles like a zimmer frame to barely move along. I had long since put mine away. I gave him some words of encouragement and I spied the box-shaped expo building in the distance. 
It was about a mile away, but it was hot. My feet hurt and I was never going to get a decent time, or one to be proud of, despite overtaking people constantly on the way. This race was all about finishing. Did I graduate? Well, yes I did. But if I did, I certainly wasn't top of the class. However, I highly recommend running Trans Grand Canaria. It was an absolute pleasure and a real challenge. And it kind of had it all. You started at the top of the mountains at the beginning of the day, the sun coming up, the cloud base below you. You then ran through valleys and down cliff faces and across dams and saw wonderful little villages. And all the while being baked by the sun. My comedy tan lines from having a knee brace, calf sleeves that were up then down and multiple pieces of K-tape over different parts of my body were quite special and looking back at my race photos I can chuckle at it now. Anyway, that was that. What is next? That's the question. The answer, the Amersham Ultra. <laughs>